former middle school teacher and math coach on a mission to help educators create a positive classroom community and reach every learner, all while finding balance in their own lives. Since I've left the classroom, I've learned so much about equity in education, building classroom community, math instructional practices that increase accessibility and learning, mindfulness and self-care, and ways to maximize time and impact through focused work and prioritization. Through conversations with experienced educators, you'll gain new knowledge, insights and inspiration, and practical ideas to try in your own classroom. I'll also share my many lessons learned over the years with the hope that it will accelerate your learning curve as a teacher. If you're an educator who's working hard to accelerate your students' confidence and understanding in math, you're in the right place. I want to be your mindful math coach, so let's go ahead and jump right in. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Mindful Math Podcast. Today, I want to talk with you about something that has been on my mind, and that is the idea of what I'm going to call just right leadership. And I'm thinking about the story of Goldilocks and the Three Bears when I say just right leadership. Uh, That is leadership that's not too hot or too cold, but just right. And there's a couple of reasons that this has been on my mind. Most recently, in fact, not 30 minutes ago, my daughter said to me, Mom, I'm so glad that you're in the middle as a parent. I think that's what she said. You're not free range, and you're also not super strict. You're in the middle. And she had this language because about a week ago, we were actually at a friend's house and uh, they have a couple of kids as well. And there was this moment where everybody had already had one ice cream treat from the freezer and a cookie or two. And the, the kids in that household were going into the freezer to get like a second ice cream cone. And at that point, I put my foot down and said, no, you you all have had enough, you know, it's bedtime soon, we're not going to have any more. And so on the walk home, we were kind of debriefing this together and just, you know, sharing with the kids how every household's different. And, you know, when when you grow up, if you decide you want to have kids, like you'll get to decide kind of where you want to be on the continuum of like parenting approaches. And so we introduced this term to them about free-range parenting, and this is a family that's pretty free-range. And also, my sister's family is super free-range, and they know that very well. We've been on vacation with them. We stay at their house when we go visit them. And there literally have been times that their kids have poured themselves a bowl of Skittles for breakfast. Uh, So they know what that looks like to be in a free-range kind of situation. And on the on that walk home, Otto said to me, he's like, you know, mom, I really think that like 
so-and-so, the, the one kid in that family, I think he eats too many desserts. I mean, that's not good for you. Like that can hurt your stomach like that. Or I think he said tummy, that can hurt your tummy. And that's not very healthy for you. Like I, I'm glad we're not having so many desserts, which I thought was like quite mature and a really interesting and kind of surprising thing that you're seven-year-old would say to you, like, I'm glad you don't just let us have three desserts in one night. And then on the other hand, I was talking to them, of course, about my own strict childhood. And I was like, here's like the other extreme kids. Like you could have a really strict parent who's like, no desserts ever and go to bed at 7 p.m. And like, I'm going to tell you what to wear and like all this kind of stuff. And so we just explained to them that like our philosophy is where we want to be in the middle. And that's really what we try to do, you know, and everything in moderation. And sometimes we'll have desserts and sometimes we'll stay up late, but we'll mostly eat healthy and we'll mostly, you know, have a regular bedtime and that kind of thing. So it was just kind of funny to me that a week later, you know, today, this came up because they asked if they could have a fruit roll up as their snack after uh, school today. And I was like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. And so that's what made her, you know, remember that conversation from a week ago. In any case, so that happened. And I'm like kind of juxtaposing that with what I've been seeing going on in schools and school leadership. and. A couple of things that have happened recently and that I've noticed recently. And then just reflecting back on like all my experiences in education, both my own leadership style when I was a math coach and the various leadership styles of the principles that I worked under. And it occurred to me that there are a lot of similarities to this idea of being in the middle when it comes to parenting and finding this like just right rhythm as a leader. And I'm going to assert that I think it's best to be in the middle here. I have found that it really just brings the best results over time in the long term. I want to speak to this for a few minutes because I think if you get this right, you have a chance at leading your entire team to better results, better teaching, better learning for kids, a better professional environment where people are happier and more engaged. And if you get this wrong, it can really lead to a lot of problems and lack of results, the opposite of of everything I just said before. So let's dig into each one here. So first off, the too hot scenario, the too hot leader looks like micromanaging. It's a situation where you have someone who is like that strict parent. There are so many systems, so many requirements. There are very rigid teachers and other staff members have very little input, very little like opportunity to express their desires and co-create systems. And they feel like they're being watched all the time. They feel like they could get in trouble. It comes with a lot of fear. It actually leads to a lot of fear on the part of the staff members. In addition to burnout, disengagement, resentment, drama, quitting, turnover, And honestly, a lot of wasted time, compliance behavior. This is the kind of situation where people are really busy. They're doing a lot of things. They're checking off a lot of boxes and they're trying to fill out the templates correctly. And 
then they feel like they have to do their real work after all that is done. They don't feel like the stuff that they're being asked to do is actually leading to positive results. It's not helping them plan better lessons. It's not helping them be better teachers. It's not helping the students learn more. Now, the leader may disagree. The leader might say, no, it actually is helping with that. So I think we'd have to actually look at a case-by-case basis to determine whether or not the things they're being asked to do are, in fact, busy work, you know, or if they actually are having an impact. But regardless of, of the truth, and the truth is probably somewhere in the middle there, if the teachers do not actually feel like what they're being asked to do is leading to positive outcomes or some kind of change or that it's worth it, it still is going to lead to burnout, resentment, disengagement, and all of those kinds of things. And so as a leader, it's your opportunity to really evaluate all the things you're asking people to do and think about not only what you're asking people to do, but the way in which you're communicating about it. When I think of the communication style of the too hot leader, it's it's like their way or the highway. It's very straightforward and kind of like a like a dictatorship. There's not room for input and there's a lot of deadlines usually, right? Like you get this done in this way by this time and I kind of don't care what your feelings are about it or what impact it has. If you actually have the capacity to do this, if you don't, that's not a concern to me. It's just, I want it done this way. I want it by this time and it's your job to get it done. So there's really like this lack of communication, two-way communication. There's lack of that relationship there. And again, that is why it tends to lead to a lot of these other problems. Now, on the other hand, we can have the too cold leader. Now, the too cold leader is very hands-off. This is similar to like the free-range parenting style, okay? Free-range parents like don't know where their kids are half the time. That's totally my sister, right? Like they're like somewhere in the neighborhood, don't know which house they're at. So for the too cold leader, all the staff, all the teachers are doing their own thing. There's so much teacher choice that there's very little consistency. And with that lack of consistency, it's really hard to collaborate. If they're too cold with the systems, then there's probably not even those structures in place like to have PLCs, to have that good PD, all those kinds of things that help teachers and ultimately students grow. And so while that might feel good for a while at the school and some teachers might really like that freedom, I mean, I know I'm a person who really likes freedom, it can come back and bite you if you have teachers that actually need more support because it's harder to support teachers in this like free range kind of everyone on their own island scenario. Not only that, but like when you're trying to make change across a whole system, you're shooting in the dark there when you let everybody do what they want to do. There's no way to really um you know, you're not you don't have a plan in place to actually make that improvement. And so every year you're probably just looking at your test results going, I don't know if people are gonna grow or not. I don't know if the students are learning. Like everyone's kind of doing their own thing. So either way you go here with the too hot or too cold, neither one is allowing the school to get the best possible results. They both have issues. 
And so that's why I really, really believe strongly in this just right approach. And the just right approach is exactly what it sounds like. It's this balance of structures and consistency and systems with input and feedback and choice from the key stakeholders. I really believe that this encapsulates my leadership style, both in our family and as a math coach. And I truly believe it's one of the reasons that my math team had some of the highest retention numbers in our whole system and some of the best results. We had almost 30% growth on our summative test scores in three years. And that just does not happen when you have a new team every single year. You cannot compound your results. You can't build on the work you did the previous year if you have such high turnover. And guess what? When you micromanage people, when you make them feel like their opinions don't matter and you don't care if you're overworking them, they're going to leave. So I just want to encourage you to really think about what is your leadership style and where are there places where you might want to tighten up a little bit and put more systems in place? Where are there places where maybe it would be beneficial to loosen up a little bit and provide some more choice? And some areas to think about are planning practices, meetings, agendas in those meetings, you know, what's happening with collaborative planning time. What about professional growth? Do you have professional growth plans? Does everybody go to the same PDs? Do you have coaching? What agency do teachers have within all of those systems? And also, what consistency do you have there? One of the things that I started doing after my first year or two in the role was really co-creating systems with my team. And so when we adopted a new curriculum, I just started engaging them in planning. And I communicated with them. I said, hey, you know, we're going to want to have some common planning practices around this curriculum. And why don't we try to plan together? And then let's talk about what seems really helpful, what doesn't seem really helpful, what we might want to add, what we might want to take out, that kind of thing. And so we did that for like the fourth quarter of one school year. And I tried out some different approaches with different teachers, got their feedback. And then over the summer, I was able to you know, put that input into one guide or template, basically, and then present it at the beginning of the next school year. And then I was able to say, hey, remember back in quarter four when we were trying out these different um, ways to plan from the curriculum? Here is what we discovered collectively. And here's why I put like why I put these things in the planning process, why I put them in this order. This is why I didn't put this. Like I could explain the rationale for why it was the way it was based on our experiences together actually trying it out and talking about what worked and what didn't work. And I really valued what they said. Now, there's another piece I want to say, which is that I also had my own vision as a leader. So I wasn't just taking every single piece of feedback that my team gave me and just changing um, or like creating it just based on that. I was also kind of like 
double checking it against my vision and what I know is best practice and what I saw as needs for my team. So if somebody did give a piece of feedback that I disagreed with or I thought like, I know they're saying they don't want to do this or they don't like this, but I actually think it's really important. I made a note of that in in terms of like, okay, this is going to be one where I'm going to have to explain or demonstrate the value of this and really try to invest them in this piece more, explain the rationale more, or make sure that like this piece is easy to do because there's lower investment here. So sometimes I took the feedback to like actually build the thing. And sometimes I took it just as a as a note that I kept in the back of my mind to like help me lead, paint the vision for people to help them understand why. So those were the main points I wanted to cover today in terms of just a really high level approach, a high level philosophy about your leadership style going into next year. Because this is the time when I know so many of you are doing your strategic planning. You're thinking about your math improvement plan. You are picking your priorities for next year. You might be rolling out a new curriculum, and so you're going to be thinking about pacing guides and unit internalization processes and lesson planning and lesson internalizations and all this kind of stuff. And so it's going to be really helpful if you can commit to having a just right philosophy and a just right approach with all of this as you're making these decisions. Because what I don't want to have happen is for you to fall too far to the hot or too far to the cold and go into next year either with having drafted so many plans and so many systems and protocols that your team revolts when you try to implement it or going in without having planned any of it and having it be a free-for-all where people are just like fumbling around trying to, you know, make it up as they go. I think some schools, to be honest, can get away with this kind of approach, especially if they have high enough test scores where people aren't really noticing how much students are learning or not learning and and really looking at the data. But I'm talking to you as a leader of, of a school or a system where you're like, we need dramatic change. We need to move like double-digit amounts of our students from the red into the green. Like most of our students are not learning math to the degree that they need to. And that's because the teaching is not where it needs to be. And so if you're trying to move an entire school or an entire system from really low scores to really high scores, you need to have a leadership style that will allow that to happen. You cannot have a school with people quitting every year, like year over year over year, nor can you have people just doing whatever they want and printing you know, worksheets off of like CUDA software every day, okay? It's just not going to actually lead to the change that you want to see, that you need to see, that your students want to see, that their families want to see, and that really you're committed to. I mean, I know you're committed to that. You wouldn't be here listening to this podcast if you weren't committed to this kind of change. All right. Now, I also want to speak to any teachers out there who are listening. And if if you are, I want to say thank you for listening up to this point. I really have been speaking to the math coaches and the principals and the, the district leaders who are choosing one of these leadership paths. But if you're listening to this, I it makes me think that you are probably a teacher leader, whether in an official position or not. 
that you're very committed and that you are likely someone who wants to step into a coaching role in the future. If that is you, I want to encourage you to help your leadership by giving them some feedback. If you feel like they're doing an awesome job with just right leadership, tell them. Say, hey, I just wanted to tell you how much I really appreciate that you asked for my input on this or that you take into account you know, this and this and this thing. And if on the other hand, they're too cold and they're so hands-off, I think that's an, actually an opportunity for you to assert yourself as a leader and to suggest some ways that you could plug in. And you could say something like, hey, you know, I've really been interested in having deeper collaboration with the other fifth grade teachers in the school. You know, is that something we can talk more about, about putting together a plan for us to, to meet on a weekly basis to plan together? I'd be happy to, you know, help you come up with the agendas or co-lead those meetings or something like that. And who knows, you may have just, you know, invited yourself into a leadership role and maybe there'll even be a stipend for it. If on the other hand, your leadership is too hot, here's what I would probably do. Ask to have a meeting and sit down and just say, you know, can I share some feedback about some of the ways that I'm experiencing some of these policies? And the effect that I think it's having on me and my colleagues in terms of like culture and just our engagement, our our sense of satisfaction and just the morale of the school. You know, leaders generally are very concerned about what the climate of the adults in the school are because they they know, at least in certain level, that that can lead to, you know, good things or not so good things. And so maybe they just needed somebody to bring that up to them, elevate that to them, and kind of mirror up to them what is actually happening. And if you come to it in a way where you are emotionally regulated and you're being, you know, pretty straightforward and, and not accusatory and things, but just saying, this is how I'm experiencing it. And here's a suggestion I have, or here's something I think we would really enjoy or could work better. Who knows? Maybe they'll be open to that. And maybe that conversation could be the start of things moving in a different direction. All right. So that is all I have to say on this topic for today. I just wanted to plant some seeds with you as you're starting to plan for next year and really dive into your strategic planning. And if this is something that you don't feel as confident in and you're wondering if you're too hot or too cold, or you just are really committed to figuring out a way to lead from this middle of the road kind of approach where you have some structure and just the right amount of structure to really guide your team and lead your team down the path of improvement. But you also want to balance that with agency and input and feedback and engagement from your team. Please reach out to me at chrissy at mindfulmathcoach.com. Strategic planning is a strength of mine. It is something I am really, really good at, and it's something that I've helped a lot of coaches and leaders with in the past. And so if that's something that you know that you would benefit from, just send me an email and we can schedule a strategic planning intensive where we will hop on Zoom together one-on-one -on -one for a couple of hours. You know, I'll help you get clear on your vision. We'll pick a couple of high-impact priorities that you can focus your work on next year. 
We'll talk through your PD plan, all the different avenues that you have to help teachers grow. And we'll also discuss the planning processes you want to have in place, whether you have an existing curriculum that you're sticking with or adopting a new one. And so again, just email me at chrissy at mindfulmathcoach.com and we can sort that out. All right, you all, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. 